0: Podcast. This is your host, Kalina Thomas. Happy to be with you today. Um, this episode is going to be a really uplifting and inspiring conversation. I'm talking with a colleague and friend of mine, um, Adam Tratham, who um, is going to share his getting out of jet, debt and wealth building story. So a couple months ago, I did an episode on um, this idea that has been circulating for the past five or six years on net worth and is your net worth really your network and how important is that network and we went through and kind of dispelled okay where is the truth in that statement and then where's the bad logic and where can kind of living out that logic where can it get you financially and it's really a place where you may not want to end up when you really look at what the, the author behind this statement and the book and, and really what her philosophy is on um, how you're managing your resources and stewarding your resources, whether that's financial time relationships. Um, it's not to say that your network is not valuable, but it's not, um, definitionally related to your net worth per se. Um, it's not the actual money that is in your accounts or debts that you owe or those sorts of things. Anyways, I got so many comments, questions, thoughts from that. And one of those came from Adam and he shared his getting out of debt story. Um, it's, it's interesting, um, we were colleagues uh, when he was going through this and I, I remember him selling his new car, but I didn't realize the extent of what was actually happening. I think personal finance can be this topic that people shy away from or you, know, you don't want to talk about money, um, especially colleagues trying, you know, you're not getting maybe too in the weeds or in the details of their personal lives. Um, But I'm so glad that he was comfortable sharing this story and really sharing it with all of you and what prompted it, his why, um, really big, a huge thanks at the time to his girlfriend, now wife, who uh, very gently but very directly um, nudged him on this journey that he went on, um, some of the really extreme things he did to get out of debt very quickly. I think he gives some great ideas. Um, And then we wrap up with, and my favorite part is this idea of outrageous generosity. How does... Um, having a, a why and a why that's bigger than I just want to have a lot of money, but a why around um, creating generational wealth, um, wealth for your kids, your grandkids, but and, and then having that in a way where you are also able to be outrageously generous to people and organizations that really matter to you, that are aligned with your values, and that um, it's just part of your overall spending plan that That's just something that you do every week or month or year, um, however you are organizing and managing your money. And so we wrap up with that with some advice. Um, I do want to give a disclaimer that we are not giving personal finance advice. Um, This is meant to just be his experience. This is we are not financial advisors or financial professionals, although Adam is a CPA. He has an accounting background and that kind of contributed to his thought that He knew a lot about personal finance um, and really kind of dispelling some of those myths. So he gives some resources that he used, some podcasts he listens to, books he's referenced, Um, different ideas. And certainly, if you have questions, you're welcome to either check those out or engage a personal financial advisor, um, maybe at your company, if they have a um, investing uh, uh, 401k or 403b program, or another investing professional in your area, I would strongly encourage you to reach out to someone specific and go through your specific scenario, um, as well as any of the resources that Adam suggests. And with that, we will jump into it. Adam, thanks so much for being here today. Um, If you wanna get started and just tell everyone who you are and what you do.
1: Sure, thanks for having me. Uh, Adam Trafton, Uh, I am currently the Chief Resource Officer um, for Ascension Wisconsin with the Resource Group. Uh, I've been uh, in this role for a few years now, uh, originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I've been with the organization for about 10 years, but prior to that, uh, spent some time in public accounting Uh, as a CPA with Pricewaterhouse, Uh, did uh, a variety of things in in those roles, uh, like corporate tax and auditing, Um, but uh, did my uh, school at St. Louis University, and that's where I studied uh, accounting um, and and did my bachelor's and master's there. But uh, currently uh, living in Milwaukee, I have a beautiful wife, and we are expecting um, our first child in July, so a lot of fun stuff going on over here.
0: Awesome, congratulations. And what a fun conversation to talk about wealth building and money management and generational wealth, which we will get into later. Um, And you mentioned your background in accounting. And so when you and I were chatting, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, and I had done the podcast about money and some of these like money myths and different things. And I had no idea that you had this accounting background, but had this really interesting getting out of debt story and money management and all of that. And Kind of how were you initially approaching finances maybe when you were younger or post-college and like what prompted this whole journey for you
1: yeah well uh great question i would i have to give all the credit to my wife marissa uh, when we were dating i uh, first started dating um, she started asking me some questions uh, about money, about money behaviors, my approach to certain things, kind of where I stood on savings and spending. And, uh, you know, to her credit, um, she brought to my attention, uh, a lot of really important personal finance habits that I just was not doing. Um, She shared her story with me, um, her approach, uh, her avoidance of debt, um, her, the importance that she put on savings, um, and we had a conversation. And, and to her credit, she did it without judgment or any type of a of a scolding that one may give when they don't agree with with how someone manages money. Um, and uh, I have to say that you know after that conversation or series of conversations, um, she really kind of just took me and pointed me in the right direction. Um, and my you know the CPA and me kicked in to. To say, okay, how can I do this better? Um, and say, I am probably not the best at what I'm, what's going on right now, and then how can I, you know, improve? And so that's really where this journey started for me. Awesome.
0: Would you mind if you're if you're comfortable to be sharing some details of what were you doing? Because I think there's a lot of kind of common behaviors out there, right? Like boost, get a credit card card so you can boost your FICO scores. So you can get a mortgage, or, um, you know take out a whole bunch of as many student loans as possible because it's going to pay off because you're going to get this amazing job post college like these things that i would say are very commonplace and maybe they don't always yield the results that we expect um what were some of the things you were doing
1: yeah great question so you know right out of college and, and you know in my into my early 20s i originally thought that you know good more competent financial behavior was avoiding credit card debt and taking advantage of my company's match in my 401k or 403b. And that's really it. And I, you know, having something in your savings that you could throw at if something came your way, which, you know, those are in it themselves, aren't, aren't bad things. They are, they are important and part of, uh, you know, a personal financial financial journey, but, that's where it stopped for me. Um, I was just going about my business, buying what I wanted. You know, I made decent money. I wasn't lighting the world on fire by any means, but I had a great income. I was a single guy. um, And I used my bank account as my guide. If I had enough money in my bank account to cover my credit card bill that month, great. If I made enough money that month or in a given period of time uh, to to put extra money in my savings, even better. It gave me a license to spend it at a future date that I where where the wind hit me, a certain you know, whenever it felt right. So there was really no um, really intentionality around it. It was just I did what I wanted when I wanted, and it got me nowhere. Meaning I was not accruing savings besides mm-hmm. the the little I was putting into my match and i wasn't being thoughtful about my future um or uh, major purchases and, and milestones that i wanted to achieve like an engagement ring buying a house um you know what money i needed to, for retirement or retiring at all was such a foreign concept right it's so far away why well, i don't need to really do that i'm doing the match that's got to be it right so that was my uh, approach that I, at the time I thought was just some really, uh, you know, really great because I wasn't drowning in credit card debt. Like I felt like the rest of the world was. Yeah.
0: So like by comparison, you're like, oh, I'm doing great. But, sure. but when you look back on and have more information now we're thinking from a different perspective, you see, you can see things differently. And I mean, you know, and one of the things that I think is, is easy to fall into the trap of like, oh, well, if I have a job or things are going well, then there's nothing to really worry about. But it's when things aren't going well. And I know for me personally, like losing a job right after the recession and being unemployed on my own was like a, I was already very risk averse when it came to money. But I would say like that just cemented it for me because I was like, I'm 22 without a job. Like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I still have that paranoia. Um, and I, I probably am, you know, super paranoid and unnecessarily paranoid, but sometimes it's those things that kind of give you like a good wake up call
1: to a great lesson, yes. right. To learn, unfortunately a hard one, uh, to learn at that age, but it was probably a, a jolt of reality that, Hey, nothing is guaranteed and having cash reserves and having an emergency fund buys you safety it buys you options if something bad happens to you or your job or life comes your way you have options when you have the savings
0: yep absolutely absolutely so cool so you have this girlfriend she's very gently asking you some pointed questions Um, and where did you go from there so like what resources did you get started with and how did you start to kind of navigate this in a more intentional way
1: Yeah, great. So she, um, you know, we talked about uh, all all things. So at the time I had uh, a pretty sizable car loan uh, for a a beautiful 4 door Jeep Wrangler that I barely drove because I was traveling full time for work. Um, And I had about $40,000 in student loan debt that I was just making the minimum payment on. And at the time, nothing really bothered me about those two things because, I was able to make the payments so I can make the payments. What's the problem? And, you know, she brought to my attention and, you know, very gently, you know, hey, why don't you pay those student loans off? Why don't you um, pay off your car loan? Or why do you need that really expensive car that you took a huge loan out for that you barely drive? Um, And from there, it was just kind of game on for me. It's like, yeah, why why am I doing it? these things like just because they seemed normal when at the time of doing them and paying them every month doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do so from those conversations um i started listening to um the dave ramsey podcast um so marissa turned me on to that um, which is a great podcast for anyone out there listening who's interested in getting out of debt um they have callers uh come uh, join the show and ask any and all questions about, you know, debt, getting out of debt, relationships, everything that comes with it. So that was a huge piece uh, for me. I read Dave Ramsey's Complete Guide to Money, um, and I read the Millionaire Next Door, excuse me, the Millionaire Next Door book. Um, all great resources that um, helped kind of solidify this path that I was putting myself on to straighten things out in my financial life.
0: Got it, got it. And I think you know, some people there's. There's a lot of Dave Ramsey fans out there. And then there's also a lot of people that say he's too strict. Like there's some debt that's smart. There's, you know, you can borrow money for this or that or hedge or, you know, take that money instead of paying off your student loans, take it and invest it and get a higher return than your interest rates, which sounds like a very complex, I mean, in theory, you're like, oh, well, that could make sense. But the complexity of that, I think, is... Probably greater than most people realize, and and what would you say about your experience, kind of following that plan? Then, what, how was that helpful for you?
1: Right, I, I agree. There's a there's a lot of conflicting opinions out there. There's a lot of opinions in general. Yeah. Um, if you look anywhere on the internet for financial advice, you'll find it, I, it and those, that advice will conflict in many ways. Um, and and it's sometimes it draws in eyeballs when when someone says I don't agree with you know, the, the number one financial, you know, guru, uh, and, and Dave Ramsey. I, um, I, what I did was I solidified myself into this process by saying I am submitting to this program and I am not the person who knows better anymore. That's the approach that I took in my early twenties. You know, I came out of school as a CPA, of course I can handle money. Um, I went to school for accounting, obviously, uh, no one's going to tell me how to manage my money. I'm going to do it my way. And that's just how it's going to be. And as soon as you take that rough point of view out of the equation and, and, you know, dial up the humility a little bit and say, Hey, I've seen other people win with money by doing this program. I'm going to try it. And I'm going to commit to it. Um, that's
0: when things started really clicking for me. Awesome. Awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah, sometimes people can get really specific or in their heads, and then, you know, what do I do versus can I just kind of keep this simple? So in that case, then, so you start to go through this, you start to go through these steps. What was the most challenging aspect of it? And then what was the easiest or maybe the most fun? Yeah,
1: so it was, so I, So I had, with my student loans and the car loan, I had um, right around $70,000 in student loans, or in total debt, excuse me. And I put myself on a path to try to pay it off in under two years. That was my original goal. And my first step was to um, write everything down. Write down my debt, where I had it, because I had multiple student loans with with different providers. and I said, how am I going to get here? So I, I took my income and I created a spreadsheet and every month had my income and then how much I was going to put toward that debt. And, you know, I, the accountant nerd in me really came out and I started to see on this spreadsheet, you know, Hey, if I, you know, crank up the savings or the you know, paying off the debt a little bit more here and really dial down my budget. I can really pay this off sooner. Um, and so it started to kind of escalate a little bit. And, and then I started looking around to seeing, you know, what can I sell? <laughs> can I sell anything? So one of the first realizations that I had was that the car had to go. Mm-hmm. So I sold my car uh, actually to my father. He still has it. So he lets me drive it whenever I, when I go back to St. Louis. He likes to he the kick out of it. So he he wrote me a check for it um i paid off that car loan uh, the next day and um he in part of that deal i i purchased a um, late model ford explorer which was probably worth about fifteen hundred dollars at the time and that was my car um so i went from this beautiful two-year-old jeep cherokee four-door uh i sorry wrangler four-door to uh to this old late model uh ford explorer and the thing was an absolute clunker it had seen some things so that was not fun i did not enjoy that although i didn't you know once i i got rid of that car um i didn't find myself missing it at the time because i didn't drive it a whole lot in the first place as i had mentioned but i had so much money then because i could take that that car payment which was almost 600 dollars a month and apply it toward my student loans so that really ramped things up for me um so once i sold the car i'm like hey what else can i sell mm-hmm. um i after college i was a swimmer in college and so after college i got into triathlons and i had two really nice very expensive bikes um, if anyone's into cycling you know how much you can spend on cycling and cycling gear and wheels and everything's carbon um, so of course i had two uh, nice bikes and i saw they were both, both multiple thousands of dollars. Um, and I, I ended up selling both of those and cause I had since kind of somewhat retired from, uh, from triathlons and, and decided, you know, they, had, they, they needed to go. I wanted to be out of debt more than I wanted these bikes. So the, those, those were sold. Um, I was looking around for anything that I could sell. Uh, I'm a, kind of a minimalist. I didn't have a whole lot. Um, but I will say I'm also a golfer and, um, those golf clubs stayed right with me, so those those did not did not make it onto onto eBay. Uh, thankfully, I still have those. But um, it was a quite a journey to um, to to look around and say, "Hey, where can I? What money can I find, um, and what can I sell to to really ramp this up?" And I ended up after selling and after you know cashing out um, some mutual funds that I had off to the side, I ended up paying off the seventy thousand dollars and. Um, just over five months. Wow. Yeah. That's so awesome. It was, it was an intense five months. I didn't do much during that time, but um, it was pretty fun to, uh, to really see things because every time I found money or sold something, mm-hmm. that money went toward the debt. And then I saw that end date get closer and closer. And so it just became more and more of a of a game. Like how quickly can I do this?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think when you're very goal-oriented or competitive, and athletes typically are, um, you know, it's like, hey, how fast can I do this? And someone else can do it. Like, and not in a bad competitive way, but just in a fun way, even competing with yourself. Um, Because it is so temporary to say, oh, I'm not going to eat out or spend money on this or get this or that or whatever, Um, especially when you can see that you can do it that fast. I didn't realize it was that fast. I remember you selling your car and kind of wanting to ask about it. I was like, that's his personal financial business. Like, I feel like I shouldn't meddle in this, but I was—I still remember you making that comment and selling your car and being incredibly curious about the whole thing.
1: Um, so- Yes, I definitely got some looks when I went from driving a, a brand new black Jeep to a really old rusted out Ford Explorer. I will say uh, that Ford Explorer's last day um, was when the transmission finally went out on it and uh, I was actually on my way to a very important meeting um, and I actually had to have a co come and pick me up um, and take me to, to work because I had to leave my car on the side of the road. So um, it is, I will say, you know, I don't have a $1,500 car anymore. Uh, Marissa and I uh, drive a, a nice Jeep Cherokee and that we you know paid for in cash after our wedding. But um, I, I'm thankful for, uh, the lesson that that Ford taught me and I'm happy that it's no longer in my
0: life. Oh my gosh. You'll never forget that. I hope you have pictures of it.
1: I think there are some around. If, okay. I'll have to dig them up. So
0: they say? Like for your kids someday, like, here's what I drove. Here's what I did. And you just yes. thought it's a good memory. It's a good memory. Did you roll just kind of tangential question? Was that one of the first things you bought once you paid off everything? Did you get a different, at least a different car? Did you upgrade a car a little bit?
1: I actually didn't. So the interesting thing was once I was debt free and I had built my emergency fund, I was um, still traveling for work and I realized that I didn't actually need a car at all. So I went carless and did Uber or um, any other kind of ride share um, if I really needed to get somewhere um, until, um, I, you know, until actually, until we got married. So, when I was in Milwaukee, uh, when Marissa and I were dating, um, she had a car, so we would use hers, or um, I'd be traveling for work and obviously have a rental during that time. And I just found out that once the car wasn't there, I realized I didn't even need it. So, it actually was about another year and a half, two years until um, I bought a car. Wow,
0: I didn't realize that either. Look at you. Wave gratification. <laughs> I'm so impressed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was not ready to, to, to get back into a car. I was just happy that um, that I didn't have any debt at the time, and, and that was good enough for me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So you've been through this whole journey. You're now married. Um, And yes. how do you manage your money now, and how do you think about that? I know there's a lot of conflicting opinions on this, too, for people good. who are married and how they manage their money. And you know, I had the example of my parents. It was just, it's our money, and it's all in one pot. I had a grandma who also told me, make sure you have your own money. My grandpa was very stingy. So she was always the one like skirts and money for yourself. And sometimes those things, those lessons, right. That you see as a kid or that you hear, like really stick with you. Um, But I think one of the number one fights or causes of divorce in a marriage is about money. So like, how do you manage money now? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. So right after we got married, uh, so Marissa and I got married in, in 2019. After we got married, um, we immediately combined our finances. So we uh, have a shared checking account, shared savings account. Um, we have uh, a shared budget every month. Um, we have a shared Google sheet where we actually uh, plan out, if, here's how much we're gonna save every month. If we have a large expense coming up, it'll deplete savings that you know we've accrued for that expense and so, Um, it is a complete joint team effort with us. Um, there are no individual accounts besides those retirement accounts these days. Um, and we keep everything combined and it is, uh, definitely the way to go in my opinion. Now I have not been married with separate accounts, so I guess I can't speak to the other side of that coin, but Marissa and I made a really good, um, In my opinion a really good agreement at the beginning um, and even prior to our marriage when we were talking and planning for marriage was that we were going to do this together we were going to plan together we were going to win together and um, we were going to do this um, as a team and that has really worked out for us in the last couple of years um, since marriage Uh, now i will say we still argue about money from time to time just like anyone else would any other couple would We have disagreements on where the money should go, uh, what we want to spend it on. And, you know, that's okay. I think that's really healthy um, just to have those conversations and share what's important to you all because, um, or or with each other rather, because having a good why, you know, hey, why are we doing this? Um, What are we working toward? Uh, And if we're going, um, you know, toward the same goal and toward the same end, uh, we have uh, the same path to get there and that's really important. So, uh, we are very much, um, in the, in the camp of, of combined finances for married couples.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's awesome. Glad to, glad to hear that and glad to hear that sure. you want to win together. That will, I think, really help you with kids and all the tricky parenting things, all that introduces and, um, just everything. And gosh, kids, they're so good at wording your budget. Just... The whole other conversation. I can't wait for that. Oh yeah, (laughs) our kids, our kids have a really bad case of the gimme's. I want this. I want this. I want this. As much as um, we have not like given into that at all, and have not even like planted those seeds, it's it's like it must be just a human thing. Like you just want what 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 need 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 need. Plus, on top of just all the stuff that they actually need, right? That you just don't realize
1: they're just that actually costs money and. Yeah. Require time and attention and yes. financial planning sometimes.
0: Yes. Yeah. So they're they are a huge blessing, but they're also a big, big expense. So a wonderful expense. Um, so where do you think um or how do you think you will be approaching money management as a great segue to teaching baby boy drafted about money and budgeting and finances and like using this to help him as he grows up?
1: Sure. Yeah. So Money is a, is a fair and free topic in our household. Um, first and I talk openly about money and we plan on doing that with our children, um, and with baby boy drafted, um, you know, our goal is that he will have a familiarity with money, um, concept of earning money and saving money, uh, avoiding debt and, and living on less than you maker are really key themes that, that we plan on. Instilling in our in our son and our future children. Um, so I think it'll be uh, hopefully a, an educational process for for all of us. Um, but you know, growing up, um, money was talked about occasionally in my household, and you know, no formal training occurred um, as far as schooling. I think we took one class in middle school where we learned the aspects of a check. So like, where's the routing number on a check and how do you write a check? That was pretty much the extent of the financial literacy classes that I was exposed to growing up. And so there's so many more resources out there today, but having formal and informal in school, in classes, but also, you know, at the family dinner table, I think are really important to set up kids for success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you can start it really young. I mean, th- two, three, just having those conversations. And by four, when they're just asking you to buy everything in sight, there's a lot of opportunities to right. have those conversations. And um, it's very enlightening for them. So, so what advice for someone who did not have that growing up, who maybe didn't have that open conversation, or they are finding themselves in debt right now, you know, what advice would you give them to that person who's where you were a few years ago?
1: Sure. So I would give a a couple of pieces of advice. First of all, don't panic. Okay. I think there's a, 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 a false understanding that everyone else around you is getting rich and hitting it big and, you know, buying NFTs and Bitcoin and buying, you know, subsequently buying Lamborghinis and, you know, looking over your shoulder and seeing your neighbor do X, Y, and Z. I think it's important to know that when you see someone with a really, really nice car, for example, that does not indicate their ability to save money and to grow wealth, that that car is indicative of their ability to spend money and potentially take out a big loan. Mm -hmm. Um, so first of all, I think a mental mindset of take a breath, your, you can only control you and don't worry about what's going on around you because what's going on between your ears and in your own financial life are the most important things. And those are the important things that you can control. But when you are ready to take this on, I think the first step kind of step one or even step zero. Is to write down what you have going on. Um, know what your financial picture looks like. So, um, if you're if you're out there listening, go pull your credit report. And if you're not sure if where all your debts are, um, pull your student loan information. If you have student loans, uh, how much you owe, how much you're paying per month. I would advise taking a look at when your current payoff date is. If you're making the minimum amounts, that was really shocking to me. I think I had. 17 or 18 more years paying on those if I hadn't changed what I was doing. Um, And just put everything on paper, whether it's Excel or writing, writing it down, just having your financial picture, your income, your expenses, um, your uh, anything you owe, your debt, your payments, um, your mortgage or your rent, all of these things put into a single document or even just put on a piece of paper in front of you will just begin the process of alleviating any of the stress that you're already feeling. Because just having it in front of you will just give you an immediate sense of relief that I've taken the first step. I'm looking at this more intentionally than I ever have before. Um, Step two is take all that information that you've acquired and get on a written budget. I think budgets are oftentimes taboo. Um, It was for me before I started this, I think, you know, I didn't want anyone telling me what to do with my money, right? That was my mindset. I make decent money. I'm going to do what I want with it and no one's going to tell me what to do with it. Budgets don't have control over us. We, and Merce and I, or you, um, tell your budget what to do. It is your spending plan. It's your permission to spend your own money how you say you're going to spend it. And when you change how you look at a budget and think of it more as a spending plan, it becomes more fun. I get to choose how I'm going to spend my own money. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's got to go toward debt payments and a bunch of other stuff, that's, that's less fun. But it becomes even more fun when you get rid of all that and you just have money that you can choose where to put it. You can send, spend it, save it, and give it. And those are amazing things and fun things to do every month uh, when you are on a budget and you have a spending plan. So one of the things that Marissa and I really like to do about our budget is make an event out of it. So we have this thing that we do the morning of every first day of the month, and it's called budget breakfast. And it is this goofy thing that we created where we get something really good for breakfast, whether it's like a Starbucks, or um, we might get um, chocolate croissants or something from the store, something that we don't eat every day for breakfast uh and we sit down in the morning and we we finalize our budget for the month uh while we eat something really yummy and it's an event and it's fun and it turns budgeting in, from a chore to something that we actually look forward to because we like the conversation food's pretty good uh, we enjoy each other's company and it turns into this thing that we both agree to at the beginning of the month and we follow that for the next 30 or so days, and it is it's kind of kind of a fun, little event that we do, and it turns budgeting um, into uh, something that uh, we're, we get excited about.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, go ahead. I
1: you. Yeah, no. It, so we do um, so we do that, and then I would say like the third step um, after you've you've got your budget is to save an. An emergency fund, a mini emergency fund. Um, you know, Dave Ramsey recommends uh, one thousand dollars as your mini emergency fund. Um, you know, there's there's other schools of thought out there, and I encourage um, listeners to uh, do what they think that they're comfortable with. But um, at least a thousand dollars, or maybe a little bit more, to cover your deductibles, right? So just to make sure you've got a little something in the bank to where when you're going through this process a small minor thing doesn't completely throw you off the rails. Mm -hmm. And then step four um, is start tackling your debt. You know, if you have debt outside of your mortgage, um, add it up, write it down based on your budget and plan to pay it off as fast as you can. Um, You know, having a written plan, as I mentioned, will will ease your stress. um, If you haven't started this yet Um, and you know, this process here we are, and I'm, as I'm talking through it, we haven't paid a dime on that yet. And your stress should already be relieving because you have a plan. You have a written plan that's going to get you to where you want to go. And there for the first time, maybe in your life, um, there is a way out yeah. and there is a, a written path to future success and you can see it. And that is exciting. Um, and then, um, the fifth, I would say, take advantage of your company's match. If you, if you're not doing that, I think that's really important. It's free money. Um, most matches are, you know, 50% of your contributions up to a certain amount. And you can't find an investment that pays you 50% returns immediately. Um, like a company match on a 401k or 403b. So those are some, you know, those early steps to take. If, if you're thinking about going down this path.
0: Yeah. that's really helpful i think just to to your point like you have a plan and you can see where you're going and you see that path out and that's that's half the battle is just having the plan then you just have to follow it
1: exactly and i will i will say too you know my experience with budgeting it takes about it took about three months for me to really get the hang of it the first month was atrocious i didn't know what i was doing i was you know spending money and trying to keep track of it. I'm like, okay, how do I categorize this? Where does it go? The second month got a little better. It wasn't really until the third month where I started to actually see patterns and repetition in my behaviors and how my behaviors affected where I was putting my money in my budget. And so that was a big learning as well. And once you get that down, you really feel like you've given yourself a race. It is true. I know that I've heard other people say this once you're on a budget and you're deciding where your own money goes you pay attention more and it once you're paying attention more you see um, that you can be very specific on where that money goes and um, so when you have something that you really want to spend your money on you can do that because yeah. you planned for it and it, it feels like you got a raise yep
0: yep that's awesome so you mentioned like nfts Bitcoin, like all of these different things that are out there now that everyone's like, oh, you have to, you know, get this or buy these like digital pieces of art and stuff. And you hear so much hype about them. And that it's the next thing Um, or even gold that people are saying, well, hedge against inflation, but I can't tell you how many advertisements I hear for gold. And somehow I got on a gold email list. I did not sign up for this. And it just feels like it's everywhere. Um, What are your just kind of general thoughts on all these different alternative asset classes or investments and do you have any particular strategy for how you
1: invest yes so nfts and crypto uh, are, are the hot new thing um i think i don't want to completely dismiss them but we really need to recognize what they are which are highly volatile investments um if If someone listening wants to get into them or is in them, I I would not suggest that you invest more than one to a few percent of your net worth or or even more than five percent of your liquid net worth. Um, And that's after you've paid off debt and have cash reserves. Right. Um, When when you're into the investing stage um, for retirement, I am personally not invested in any of these things. But i know i have friends that are um and it's a roller coaster for them right they are they're going up and down and it's it feels and it's invigorating because it's it kind of gives you that casino vibe when when you're watching these things increase and decrease in value but it is not something that um that i'm suggest anyone put um, any significant portion of their money into especially the percentage of their of their words because of the high volatility and uncertainty around it yeah
0: yeah kind of good to stick with the trade and true
1: yeah um, it really is and then gold, you mentioned gold too kaylena yeah. um gold's not been linked to the u.s dollar since 1971 and it's a falsity that that it will hedge inflation you know gold is a, a commodity that is worth what the next person is going to pay for it yeah um and It wavers in price and it goes up a little and there may be gains to be had, but if you're going to put anything in that precious metal, um, you're better off um, thinking about other outlets like mutual funds um, to invest in that, that have a better history um, of growth over the long term.
0: Yeah. And one of those things I am by no means financially literate um, as, you know, like an expert, but you know, when you look at some of these mutual funds, you're able to see their, you know, 10 year, 50 year, you know, whatever your track record, like there are some really basic things that even if, you know, I'm very much a novice and I feel like I can even understand it. And which is nice, right? You can, it seems pretty easy. You've got a Vanguard account. You can go on and kind of look up some of these things, even if you're not working with a particular investor. There's a lot of information out there that's not super complicated to look at. You can see how has that fund performed, which I think for those of us who are novices, it's very nice to, to have that.
1: Absolutely. Um, mutual funds and, and EFTs are the the, the novice uh, plan, right? I mean, you can even do a, take a, a fund that is a, um, specifically directed towards the approximate date that you're um, supposed to retire, a targeted retirement fund, yeah. and they just inherently have diversification. And it's a great way to, to put money into something that's diversified um, you know, when you're just starting off and, and just want something that's safe, that will grow with the market um, uh, before you're ready to, to diversify in other ways. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, so, financial goals that you are working on right now, what does that look like for you?
1: Great question. So, we are, I'm in my 30s. Um, Marissa's in her late 20s. We are expecting a child, as I, we talked about. Um, so, we are planning for that so there's um you know some some savings going on getting ready for to have our first child but you know we are we're in this phase where um we are saving for retirement um we're paying down our mortgage uh, and we're you know we'll eventually get to the point where we'll start saving for kids' college once baby arrives which we're really excited about um uh, but we are we we have a goal to to pay off our home early um it won't be in the next couple of years, but, you know, within the next 10, for sure. Um, and, you know, we have things that we would like to do. We, we have one car between the two of us right now, which works great. Uh, both of us work from home, so we're not doing a ton of commuting, but we know that second car is coming. So uh, we're planning to, to pay for that with cash when, when we're ready to do so. And so, you know, both short and long-term goals are... Um, are out there for us. We're having conversations about what makes sense for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, at the moment, we are uh, financially preparing ourselves to uh, to bring a child uh, into our home and, and and eventually get that second car.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so beyond the second car and the mortgage, where else would you like to be in ten years?
1: Oh, I would really like to be on the golf course with my ten year old son. That would be fun. Hopefully he likes golf. We'll find out. He may not have a choice, but we'll see.
0: Oh, fun! Well, that that is a great place to be in in ten yep. years with him. Very expensive hobby.
1: Uh, it, so it's it a is. good thing
0: you are yes. out of debt.
1: Yep, uh, Marissa is very patient with my golf hobby. I, she is. Uh, I, I am very lucky to have uh, a partner in her uh, who who appreciates that I appreciate golf so much. <laughs>
0: oh good 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 um so any books podcast things you've mentioned Dave Ramsey a couple of times um sounds like you would recommend him is there anything else um that you would recommend that is helpful for people either who are starting this or maybe who are um further along in their kind of financial planning journey
1: sure so we um we did two Dave Ramsey um and and I still enjoy um uh, his podcast and, and the books that he puts out. Um, I also listen to um, a podcast called The Money Guy Show, um, which is two financial advisors, um, kind of a, a no-frills type of a, a podcast where they—it's more on the investing side. Um, so, kind of post-debt, you're you're investing, you're saving for retirement. Um, you may have questions on where to put your money or. Um, what trip falls to avoid? Uh, they have a really uh, kind of straightforward approach to their um, to their advice and to their um, to their podcast, which I really enjoy. Uh, it is kind of the uh, for that for that group that maybe um, you know watching their retirement account really closely and seeing how those numbers are doing and not sureing not sure if you're on the right path or you know where you are compared to. Um, you know, others in your, uh, maybe in your, in your age category, um, they just kind of provide some information and, and their thoughts on, on net worth and, and saving for retirement, which is just great. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say too, I, we did mention this when I was, we were chatting about budgeting, but Marissa and I use uh, mint.com. It's a mm-hmm. free website um, by Intuit. And it's not, perfect by any means. And it it's not really even technically a budgeting tool because you can't make your budget until the first day of the month. So they can't do a lot of forecasting on it, which is why we have spreadsheets, um, but like the, like the nerds that we uh, like to be, but uh, that's, and it's also why we do budget breakfast on the first day of the month, because we can't access our budget until that morning. But mint.com is a really good way to um, track your spending throughout the month. Load your budget up, and then uh, you can attach it to your bank and your mortgage and your credit cards and whatever is whatever financial assets that you want. So that once you do, you know, go swipe your card for coffee, it shows up um, automatically within within the website. So it makes budgeting a little bit more seamless during the month Mm -hmm. instead of having to do it um, manually through your bank.
0: Yeah. That would be a lot easier when I was doing all this. In my very early twenties, I actually did all cash and I had an yeah. envelope of cash. And I was like, this is my cash for the month. And I kept it in my freezer. Cause I was like, well, that's like in, your freezer. in my freezer. I don't, I don't know why I kept it behind the coffee in my freezer. Okay. So this is very so helpful for that? me to hear. I'm like, okay, there's, I'm super low tech actually kind of embarrassing um this is, sounds like a much better way to do it than the envelope of money i gave my i think it was like you know 800 bucks a month I was like that's my money just everything
1: uh that brings a whole new um light to the term cold hard cash right that's kept in
0: your freezer that's i never thought about it that way but it's true it's true um hey last question for you because i think this is a really important um concept and one that sometimes gets overlooked you know people think that wealth can be bad or money can be bad but one of the things that i know about you and being such a generous person is that it also frees you up to be give to give you mentioned you know you can spend it save it or give it away and just the generosity that comes with that and the opportunities to give and if you want to maybe close with with that because i think that's just such a maybe often overlooked but very joyous part of building wealth
1: Yes, it really is. You're absolutely right, and it's it's such a big part of the why behind all of this. You know, why are we doing this? Um, why we, why do we want to do this? Your ability to give and affect others' lives around you, or, or even across the world, um, when you have the means to do it, is so much greater when when you don't have debt and you're um, you, you're you financially put yourself in a position to. To be even more generous, right? As you as you have success with with financial, um, with personal finance, I think it's it's so important. Um, and Mercer and I actually were, were able to, and we do this every month. We have a line item on our budget for for giving, mm-hmm. right? And you can be intentional about giving just as much as you can be intentional about savings. You should be. Um, I think it's it, and it's it can be fun and it is fun, right? To give, whether it's, you know, during the holidays, Marissa and I love to, when we go out to eat, like leave a really big tip um, just because we can and it's, we want to do that. Um, Marissa also um, has a really soft spot in her heart for um, the uh, dog rescue where we got our dog. Um, It is actually a a rescue in South Korea um, run by um, American, uh, army spouses, and they rescue dogs and um, adapt them out to American families or families in South Korea. And um, we got our dog from there. And every month, Marissa goes onto their Amazon wish list and buys, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's pee pads or crate, you know, dog food or treats or whatever they need. Um, you know, she's she's out there, you know, buying things for them because that's the that's an organization that touches her heart, and so um, we love doing that, and it's it's a lot of fun. So it's something that you cannot overlook. Your ability to to give and be generous um, increases with with your own prosperity, and so it's a it's a great reason and really important reason to to pay attention and be intentional with this stuff.
0: Yeah, Yep. Yeah, it can change your life. It changes your family's life. You know, grandkids, great grandkids, and those people around you who all of a sudden it seemed like, you know, for us that having money that all of a sudden there was need that we saw and could meet. And it was such a cool thing to see, um, to be able to respond to that. So
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it changes your heart Mm -hmm. for sure. And And it changes who it affects, who you are as a person, makes you a better person, um, by giving and, um, you know, we uh we're not doing this so that we can, you know, enjoy what numbers in, in the in the bank account. We're doing it so that we can live better lives and and help others around us live better lives.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, Adam, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. It was so much fun to chat money with you and life and wishing you and Marissa all the best uh, with the baby coming and i uh, appreciate all the wisdom. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. You're
0: welcome. Thank you.